0: And you can find more details with them and their group at Freedom Real Estate Group. I'll make sure to include that link in the show notes. And we're going to be talking about turnkey properties today. Uh, so this is going to be a kind of a treat because we haven't frankly talked about this topic uh, very, really hardly at all. Uh, so uh, really appreciate both of your times. And uh, I mean, I understand that I think one or both of you have a veteran background as well. Uh, is that correct?
1: No, uh-uh. We just we love the United States of America. That is it. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, somewhere I yeah. thought I had read somewhere that one of you was was a former. But I appreciate uh I appreciate that too. I, I like your logo.
1: Yes, thank you. All of our companies, well except for one, have some type of American theme. Um and we we've just done that on purpose.
0: Sure. So how long have you been doing this, especially the turnkey piece of it?
1: Yeah, we started in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll let you take this over. You yep. got
2: this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we were uh, actually, uh, we worked on cruise ships. Uh, And in 2008, um, we were off the ship uh, finally after about 10 years, and uh, we wanted to go into real estate. We went into we actually both got our realtors license in Texas uh, in 2008. So timing wasn't very good for us at that point. Um, And uh, after eight months and doing one deal, uh, we decided to jump into real estate investing. Uh, We uh, studied with a we had a mentor. We learned a number of different strategies. uh, And by I think it was 2015 you <laughs> Uh, somebody had told us about this turnkey model and it when we uh, first heard about it it was like the the uh, i'm gonna date myself here it was like the old you dipped your peanut butter in my chocolate commercial right <laughs> um let's see who remembers that um but it was like it was exactly what i wanted because uh in real estate investing uh, we weren't dealing with the same people over and over and over again we didn't we didn't have clients anymore it was uh we couldn't do repeat business and with turnkey real estate we could create that client base and do repeat business Business with people, and it was it was the proverbial light bulb uh, above my head, and we were just like, "That's what we need to do," and uh, and we fell in love with it right away. And it was because it, it was a win for so many different people. It was, uh, I think it was five wins across the board for everybody. Uh, and so we went, uh, we like I said, we jumped in both feet and
1: moved from Arizona to Ohio
2: to to, to really do a it. <laughs>
1: great cash flow state, um, and that's what you know, rental properties is all about. Um, not focusing on appreciation, but focusing on that cash flow number. And so uh, we met somebody and we decided to move out and start a turnkey real estate business. and then five companies followed.
0: <laughs> well, well, why don't you so you moved to Ohio, you, you you jumped around quite a bit. So you're ending up in Ohio. Do you primarily do most, if not all, of your turnkey properties right there in your backyard?
2: Yes. Yeah, we're from uh, basically from Dayton down to Cincinnati, uh, south uh, Southwest Ohio. Um, and it's uh, you you can get the cash flow. Well, you can. There's other cities around the states that have turnkey providers. Uh, but we lived in Texas and we lived in Arizona, and we definitely couldn't get that there. Uh, and so we had met somebody that was in Ohio and, and told us he was buying properties for $5,000, $10,000 uh, a piece. And we're just like, what? So uh so that's why we uh loaded everything up and uh, we landed in uh just south of Dayton, Ohio.
0: And you can still buy them for 5 to 10,000 each, right? Uh-huh. Actually, yes. we
2: bought a duplex last year for $500.
0: Oh, really? Is yes. it somebody yes. just wanted to get out of it? Is that just yep. didn't want the hassle? Please yes. please take this. Yeah, and well,
1: I mean, it needed quite extensive <laughs> yeah, yeah. rehab too. So, you know, yeah. our all-in was much much higher than that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, you mentioned having five businesses total. Like what are the other businesses and and do they complement each other?
1: Yeah, so uh, we like to talk about it in terms of vertical integration um, so that when people uh, come and work with us, they've got many options. and we're all in one office. We're in a well, this is my office now. this is a fifteen thousand square foot uh, space, and all companies are under this uh, roof. So we started off with a turnkey business. And then we uh, built a renovation company so that all renovations would be in house and we'd have more control over them. And then we uh, brought property management in-house because we tested out five property managers and they all sucked quite frankly. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we were like, okay, we're losing clients because not because of our product, but because property management was horrible. And we were supposed to be able to like jump in, right? And help anytime that there was a problem because they were our clients and we had this agreement with the property management companies, but it just never worked out. So before we intended, we brought in a property Property management company in-house. Um, we've already merged with another one, ha- have like un- uh, about 500 doors under management now. Um, and then because we built property management, it meant we had to have a broker. So might as well have a brokerage so that all of our retail flips, we could just list in-house and keep all of that commission um, coming in. And then the last one is we would usually buy properties from wholesalers and we're a volume business. So we're buying a lot of properties. The wholesalers dried up and suddenly we're like, oh crap, You know mm-hmm. we've got a lot of overhead and we need deals in order to keep everything going so we created an acquisitions company um, and then the last company is uh, a, a multifamily family syndication uh, type company it's also where i raise all of the money for uh, the deals that we're doing um, and that's freedom capital investments
0: sure so you know it's kind of interesting because you you let's let's tackle the property management piece of this mm-hmm. typically what i have found is that uh, frankly to and this is going to be pretty blunt, a lot of property managers and investors, our interests aren't aligned, and it and it causes uh, some stress there regarding yes. those property management. So how yeah. have you how have you mitigated that?
1: Uh, so we, there was a course and I can't remember his name, but uh, it was a landlording course. And it was very much about these things of creating raving fans. Your tenants are not tenants, they are residents. Um, and so we we always talk about the fact of how do we, we even have a KPI of an owner joy rating. And you get an email that says, we want to make you a raving fan. How are we doing? And it's a one question survey. Um, and so we watch that. So the idea was simply providing value to the residents, first and foremost, because if the residents are getting the value through upgrades, you know, at leasing times, good, you know, quick response times for maintenance work orders, quality rehabs that they get to live in, um, all those things. If they're happy, guess what? They stay. And if they're mm-hmm. staying and they're paying then the owners, as a result, don't have to have you know vacancies and turns and evictions and all of the costs that add up when you're not keeping that resident happy. So we really started there. And I don't think enough property management companies start there. They want to please the owner, but they ultimately don't because they don't take care of that resident.
0: Yeah, well, and and, and the owner, understandably, is trying to keep costs down because, let's face it, when it comes to a single family home, if the air conditioner blows out i mean they blow that there goes the any kind of cash flow in most parts of the country for half the year yes mm-hmm.
1: absolutely right Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, uh, whenever I'm on on the phone with uh, turnkey buyers, they're asking me lots of questions, right, from potentially talking to other turnkey companies. And you always get this, um, uh, what didn't I ask? What don't I know to ask? Because you don't always know what questions to ask uh, when you're talking about it. And one of the funny things is that I talk about things like that. I said, you know, when we got to Ohio... They don't even have air conditioners on most of the houses here. It just, it blew me away because we're from Texas, Arizona. Arizona. (laughs) So everybody has air conditioners. So that was one of the things. So when we actually first started, we weren't putting the air conditioners air conditioners in the uh, properties, but ultimately through client feedback, which is how you grow and how you, you know, create those raving fans. Um, ultimately they decided, Hey, let's just go ahead and start doing it. And so we created this guideline of how do we know if we should change out an AC, you know, what does that look like? Cause you don't want to buy a property that's supposed to be turnkey and then have expenses in your first few years. Um, so then we created this, you know, program and property standards that said, Hey, when you look at the roof, make sure it has at least 10 years uh, left of life. If it doesn't, we're going to replace it. When you're looking at HVAC, or hot water heaters or things that are big ticket items, make sure they have at least five to seven years left, love life left. And so we have inspectors come in and make all of those kind of judgments, right? It's never perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's been times where we've actually, it's something is broken in the first couple of years. And so to create that raving fan experience that we want across the board, we just jump in, not that we are obligated to, but we just jump in and help out um, in order to make the client happy. Because like Flip said, this is the, when you're in rental properties um, and doing the turnkey business, people buy 10, not one, <clears throat> but you have to do a good job um, and keep your reputation and, you know, create those raving fans. That's what I, I would like to say. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: no, that's that's a that's a good approach. Uh, just again, head over to freedomrealestategroup.com for a lot of information and seeing some more information regarding what uh, Danny and Flip can offer you. Um, so you... You mentioned, you know, those people who are getting into fixing or or getting these turnkey properties for the first time and they don't know what questions to ask. Why don't you give us a list of questions they probably should be asking to make sure that a turnkey provider is a good fit?
1: That's a great question. So uh, I'm going to say property standards. One, you know, what are you putting in your properties? Because we don't put carpet anymore. Again, client feedback. I don't want carpet because on turns I'm going to have to. You know, that's a co- expense to me. So we changed our property standards to LVP. So having the oh, knowledge. Can you there, can you
0: clarify what is LVP?
1: Um, luxury vinyl plank. Sure. Uh, so it's very, very durable. Um, and that's not something you're going to have to, you know, turn all the time. And it's even, I think they're they're click and lock. Um, so even if, you know, something does happen, you can replace a few of them. So it keeps right. the cost down. So it was really listening to that feedback and being on the phone. I started it, you know, Flip started it. Mm-hmm. We were the ones on the phone talking to people, listening to those questions and learning what was good, what was bad and being able to improve the business from there. So I would say that's, that's hardcore number one, because that has to do with your costs and the durability of, you know, what was used to actually... Um, uh, rehab uh, the unit. And then additionally, what are they doing that attracts the tenants, right? You want to be able to lease fast and lease at top market. So what what exactly are they doing? We would put special touches in there like USB outlets, um, the kitchen, you know, everybody wants a nice kitchen. So we'd have backsplash, a nice big high curb fa- faucet so that, um, you know, when the tenant has that big pot and they're trying to put it under that little faucet, they're <laughs> not, you know, wrenching mm-hmm. it up and it- You know, costing more money. So I think it's I think it's really that because nobody asks those questions because they don't know to ask them. Mm -hmm. But those are two most important things in in terms of cost of your rental property is the quality of the rehab and how quickly in top market value can you rent that property.
0: No, that that's that's exactly something that you know we experimented with uh, in my market is is regarding you know, to attract tenants. It's, it's amazing how many people kind of default to the free month of of rent or a TV, or, you know, there was some pretty crazy offers going on in my market at one point. And uh, to be honest, the, the, the best response we would typically get would be using that money instead of a freebie. I would, we would, Create an accent wall with shiplap, or upgrade the upgrade the sink, or you know a variety of other things to make it make the unit pop. Versus, and then it stays with the unit, right? It doesn't. It's not yeah. something that leaves.
1: Yes. I love that you said that because in that um, uh, resident, you know, five-star type resident experience, one of the things that uh, we're incorporating, we haven't done it yet, but it's, it's getting in the works, is when they're renewing that lease is what would, you know, if you're going to renew your lease, choose from these upgrades and their property upgrades, right, that are going to increase the value or help the value of that um, property. So it could be like a ceiling fan or, you know, things like that you just talked about. We haven't built out the list, but um, that's just something that now helps both the resident and the owner at the
0: same time. So is there anything in your market that is a little different that we would experience there versus other, uh, some other places? Like for example, I was talking to a turnkey provider at one point and, and it was surprising to me that many of their properties didn't have basic uh, kitchen gear, you know, like a, like oh, an yeah. oven and refrigerator, some of that stuff in that market the residents brought with them in my market, it has to be in there and included in the, in the rental. Yeah.
2: Yes. In both Texas and Arizona, it was, that was standard. Uh, you know, that everything was in the kitchen. And so when we got to Ohio uh, we went walking a property and the the tenant was supposed to be moving in the next day or whatever. And I'm like, well, where's the kitchen? You know, there's, no, the, there's there's nothing in here. Where's you know? the refrigerator? <laughs> where's yeah. the stove? Where, where's yeah. everything? I mean, because at least a stove. I mean, I understand some people travel with their refrigerators or whatever, uh, but there wasn't a stove, and I, I'm just like, well, where's the stove? You know, the, it, it blew our mind. And, but yeah, it, it it is something that that uh, it's not standard here in in Ohio that that the stove is part of the rental unit. Now, I believe we do.
1: Yeah. So, what we have done, we've stuck with Ohio standards. So, that's the two things I always said at the end of a call. You know, if you, if they asked me, you know, what I, did I not ask? Um, I'd say, this is what I learned when I got to Ohio. They don't typically have ACs and they don't um, provide uh, the appliances to the tenants um, when they move in. Uh, so, uh, but we learn per Ohio, what their standards are is anything four units and under, no appliances the residents know that they are going to provide it themselves. But if you have, uh, it's a commercial property, five plus, um, then the res- the appliances are provided.
0: Okay. So yeah, that's one of those things that's really unique to certain mm-hmm. areas because more times than not, if something is going to break, it's an appliance or, or something that you'd have to deal with. And you've kind of removed that from the equation.
1: Yes. That was one of our discussions of, should we, um, you know, uh, supply these? Because that could be a part of a quick lease, you know, look, you have the appliances here and that's not normal here in Ohio. But then it came down to, well, is that an owner expense now? Every time it breaks or every time, you know, now we're maintaining it as opposed to you provide your own and you fix your own um, because it's your property. So that was another discussion. And that's why we just, we left it alone and said, okay, this is how Ohio does it. We're going to do it too.
0: (laughs) Well, let's get into the meat of the rental properties then are they primarily single family homes? And then what type of return returns are you trying to target for your investors? I'm
1: gonna let you take that one. Well, thank
2: you very much. <laughs> uh, well, it, we actually, when we started, it was strictly single family houses, just, just one, you know, uh, we didn't even jump into duplexes until about a year into it. Uh, but then uh, actually one of our first, first properties was a duplex, but uh, we didn't focus on duplexes. Uh, but as we started building our clients, uh, the client list, Everyone kept saying we want duplexes and, and more, and so that's when we, we we try to focus on duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes. But the single family houses come in faster than the other the others do. Yeah. Uh, but those are th- that's the meat we do. I think pretty much equal of all. You know, one, two, three, and four. Um, we we are now getting into more of the commercial, the eight units and the ten units. Um, but that's that's a few and far between. Uh, but it's it's mainly just the. You know, it's a pretty even mix actually between yeah. single family. It didn't and, used and to be. Yeah, no, I didn't at all. Yeah. Uh, but the investors are, are they're clamoring, and whenever we do get a duplex, it's it's usually sold in in minutes. Yeah. Uh, because and of, they're
1: usually cash investors, so we've yeah. literally had people say, "Let me buy it now. You can still do the rehab and everything. I just want to buy it and own it because I don't want to you know sit in line. I'll pay you cash. You don't have to worry about the financing part. Um, that's how like desperate like people are for multifamily products, and there's mm-hmm. just not as much of it out there. Um, but we do our best to grab them when we can, and we're getting better at that.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, do you mind sharing, like, what is the target then regarding like a cash on cash return in the Ohio market?
2: Well, I'm not, uh, because I've been out of the that part of the game for long enough now. Um, when I was doing it about two years ago, um, we were... The sale price of a property was around the 79 dollars nine to 99 dollars nine, And the cap rates were for single family houses were around eight to nine. Um, sometimes 10. Uh, the duplexes were around the 90 to 120, sometimes up to 150, but the duplexes were getting a much higher cap rate around 11 to 12% cap rate. Um, that's that's We've gotten some now, especially with this hot market where the cap rates have dropped down to seven, maybe a high six uh, on the single, even the single family houses, mm-hmm. um, but people are still buying them because, and it's not, we're not Doing that for any other reason. We're selling the properties that were where they're supposed to be sold because they're getting appraised uh, by appraisers uh, and renting them at market rent. So it, it's it just happens to be the when we first got here, the 1% of uh, purchase price compared to rent uh was easy to get. It was it was sometimes 1.2%. Uh, but now it's now it's not very easy to get uh anymore, especially in Cincinnati. We we can't even get 1% uh, purchase price to rent.
0: So are most of the houses that you're acquiring are, are there's a typical layout is it three bedroom a bath two bedroom a bath and at that $80,000 price point and and at that point uh what is the typical rent is it like $800 a month or or
2: yeah. In Dayton, like a three bedroom, one bath, a standard, uh, and, and it really is standard. Um, and <clears throat> that's usually around 89, nine to 94, uh, 94, nine area, uh, and would easily rent for the nine to nine fifty, okay. And then, uh, and that's, that's pretty much all throughout Dayton. And, uh, going um, so you're,
0: you're breaking that 1% rule. I mean,
1: yeah, it, yeah, it's a it's a hard rule for us. Like we don't even put it in the turnkey category because we can always retail flip it. Um, but it has to hit that one percent mm. no matter what. If it's going to be a turnkey property, and if it doesn't hit it, then we just you know sell it on the market. We still flip it um, and sell it on the market. So we have so many strategies. We know what the turnkey buyers want, and so we're meeting those goals. And for the cash on cash and the performers and everything, um, when they go to freedomrealestategroup.com, um, they're going to see like turnkey properties, and they they'll go to a different website. Site called TurnkeyOhio.com, and you'll see property availability. You'll see performance, all the numbers um, uh, associated with it, so they can see cap rates, cash on cash returns. Um, all that information mm-hmm. is there. Um, just so, like, because it's not always, you know, as you grow a company, you hire people and you stop doing the job, yeah. and everything's not top of mind anymore. Yeah, but
0: <laughs> it sure. is out there. Well, d- tell me a little bit about like the the properties. Are, are there certain things you don't really touch? I mean, neighborhoods. A uh, certain age of construction. Uh, what what does that look like?
2: Uh, well, a certain age of construction, uh, That's we, we, we touch it all because one of the first properties we did was built in 1896. Um, and so that really doesn't bother us. We prefer the 1950 and older or, or mm-hmm. younger, I should say. Um, the, uh, there are neighborhoods that this, this area is very uh, unique because um, uh, I-75 cuts right through Dayton. Um, and on the east side of Dayton, there's only, you know, there's a couple of places that I could point to on a map and say, we don't buy properties in this area. Uh, and it's, it's solely because we don't get, we can't get the returns. Uh, right. the, the value of the properties aren't, aren't where they need to be. Uh, and then on the west side of Dayton, it's, it's literally street by street. There's one street that you, you, we would go down, and we could buy the entire street, and we would love it. And then, but one street over, we wouldn't even touch that that street. Uh, and it's so it's it's very uh, it, it, I can't even say it's pockets. It's literally street by street. Um, so there are areas that we won't go to. There there are areas that you know we, we always tell people if I don't walk, if I can't walk down the street and feel safe at seven o'clock at night, we won't buy in that street. Um, and so there are areas like that that we won't buy in. Um, but a majority of the areas that we won't buy. In, in this area, Southwest Ohio, is because of value. Um, there's parts of Dayton. If you took that house and moved it over to the other side of Dayton, it would like triple in value. But just because of where it's at, it, it we just it doesn't even make sense for us to buy. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So would you, would it be fair to say that you're targeting like C plus B neighborhoods?
2: It's, yes. it's Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we, we get down to the C minus and we might stretch it to C minus minus, but that's <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's absolutely where it would be. I
1: mean, part of this is investors, right? We do want to improve neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't want to go to the D class, but we are buying like, I think we, we bought like five or six houses on a street, on and, street and our rehabber yeah. was just like, you need to buy the other five. And you just, we're just going to keep on going. Mm-hmm. And as we do, you know, the neighborhoods get better. I mean, that's always a part of the dream of being an investor, I think, is helping mm-hmm. The communities get better, um, so we don't want to stay completely clear. As long as we do feel safe and we feel good about the investment, um, then we're going to, going to buy it. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So you know, it's kind of neat to see the the level of synergy you have with all of your other companies. Uh, have you found it challenging, especially now with with COVID and and the labor shortage and a few other things? How is that going regarding keeping on track regarding your rehabs and and the like?
1: That's a great question. Um, culture is a big thing. We're in a lot of mastermind groups and uh, we're always asked to go on stage and talk about our team building, the fact that we've got, I think over 50 uh, team members now and our culture. And the reason that we are able to do all of that is just because of who we are. It's always gotta be a win-win. We want them to be happy. We want, we've want. we got flex time, we've got benefits. We've got, you know, the, the stuff that we do with our team, people are just like, you know, how many hours are you wasting? And when they're partying and then having, you know, or doing this, or they're doing some personal development act activity or whatever. Um, but we've just created an environment that people don't want to go anywhere else because there's no way they're going to get that same environment in a different workspace. I say all of that to say when something like COVID happens, um, they wanted to come to work. They wanted to be here. We've actually had team members say, I'd rather be here than sitting at home. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know everybody kind of feels like friends a little bit. It, it's it's we call it the Freg family because the, you know, Freedom Real Estate Group is Freg. And so we just call it Freg family. And uh, we've got like 20 VAs even and they're always a part of activities. So it wasn't bad here in the office at all. In fact, most people still came to the office every single day. A lot of people didn't want to work from home. They wanted to be here. Um, uh, For construction, our main two crews, they probably can do alone mm, up to 10 rehabs a month. They kept working. We did have, um, I think, one crew out of all of them Mm -hmm. that stopped working. Uh, But for the most part, everybody stuck around. And we're incredibly thankful for that because we heard for other people, they had different experiences.
0: Right. So could you walk us through the process there then? Let's say somebody is interested in a turnkey property. Uh they contact you, they they make their first purchase. Like walk us through briefly from the beginning to end from uh when you acquire the property, do they, for example, do they have to put up the money to do the rehab? Do you do that before you put it on the market? How does how does that look and then to the point of getting in a resident?
1: That's a great question because we just rolled out three programs to fit the different investors. You know how I keep on saying, we're listening to people. What do you want from us so that we can serve you better? Um, and people didn't want, we started out just doing one. Signature series rehab is what we call it. And as you just uh, suggested, we bought the property. We rehabbed the property. We tended the property. We sold the property. That was the order and the alignment that everything happened. So everybody was getting a done for you experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: that's what we thought everybody wanted. Silver platter, done for you. Um, and we got some feedback. Hey, would you sell this sooner? Would you let me do the rehab? You know That whole Burr model idea. Um, and then even some of the properties that we buy are already tenanted. So why not sell that to a turnkey person? Then they can do the rehab when that tenant moves out. And so we've created two additional. Signature series is the full done for you. Then equity advantage is that Burr. So now we're filling up our pipeline so much. We used to say, stop acquisitions, don't buy anymore because our rehab team needs to get through these and we don't want to be sitting on them. Now we've built up our pipeline because if we buy it and it's vacant, we're going to say, hey, would you like, to, are you interested in, in in this property? It's vacant. It can be a burr opportunity. Here's what we're going to sell it for. Here's what we're estimating for rehab. You'll be paying for the rehab. So you have those tax advantages of actually being the person handling the rehab, but our team's still doing it for you. Um, You just have a little bit more control. You can say, I don't want the roof replaced. If there's seven years life, you might leave it there until you have to replace it. So they've got more decision-making power. So we, uh if it's vacant, when we buy it, we offer it up equity advantage first. If it's, Occupied when we buy it, we offer it for instant cash flow, meaning you're going to buy this property that we found. We intend to do a full signature series on it. But if you want it now and these tenants um, and you want to do your own rehab, then you can do that. So now it's a better conversation of when you get on the phone, it's getting to know the investor. What do they want? And we can help slot them in the mm-hmm. process. We're going to buy them anyway and plan to take them all the way to the finish line. Somebody might just buy them in the middle of that process.
0: Sure. You know this is this is something that has struck me here now as just talking to you and you you mentioned processes and you got 50 members across your entire team. Was that right? or is that just yeah. your your construction? Yeah. Uh,
1: no, across the entire team. So uh, six companies over 50. I think we're at like 52.
0: Well, that would have had to create a lot of processes and documentation. Like what type of struggles did you experience there when you were scaling? I mean, there had to have been a lot of thought around just the business structure.
1: Yes, 100%. Um, At first, it was uh, me, Flip, Tin as our COO. We would create the processes and provide them to the people and train them. As we started growing, we were doing things faster than we thought we were going to have to. We didn't know we were going to build a renovation company. We knew we were going to build a property management, but we didn't know we were going to do it faster. So as you do that, you know the fail to, you know, grow to, grow too big too fast, you end up failing, right? You crash and burn because you can't do it all. The trick that we came up with with processes is number one, you don't have to write them put on a video, if you're doing the task anyway, and you know how to do that task, turn on your screen share or whatever you're using to do it mm-hmm. and just talk, talk through it. Just say, okay, so I'm adding a client into Podio and this is how I do it. I add the first name first. Here's where I get this information. And so every team member, as they got taught something, they were responsible for creating that video. And we just started building that video database. So as their play got too full and they had to hire somebody to help them, they gave those videos that they created to that team member so that they're not, trying to train and do their job at the same time. Um, so that was probably the gold yeah. nugget of figuring out processes.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that's an excellent tip. And, and anytime we, you're talking about scaling, especially to the level that you've gotten, it's so important to have that figured out.
1: Yes, 100%. We could have crashed without that idea. And I don't even know where we got it, but I'm glad we got it.
0: <laughs> no, Go that, that's... You know, and the other question I have too, is that um, it's obvious too, that, you know, this business to uh, a great detail as the business owner, you've spent some time working on the business as much as in the business. How was it regarding your mindset and letting some of this go and trusting your team to, to to do their jobs?
1: That's a really great question because it's hard right because when you're doing Flip it Lip is want- pointing
0: to you Danny again yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah when when you're doing it you want somebody to do it just like you do yeah. right you're going to train them and this is how you do it and when they do it different you're like ugh, you know do i do i trust that do do i care does it matter there's a lot of questions so it's much harder at the beginning mm-hmm. than it than it was when we were so overwhelmed growing so fast that we were like this isn't going to get done unless we give it to somebody and it doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. and i've heard other people say if somebody can do something at 70% or 80% of what you can do it pass it off because they're never going to do it like you just trust them to learn, you know, help tweak, let them you know run in your office for questions when they need it. Um, so they're just got to a point where we were forced to stop being mm-hmm. perfectionists and say, I've got too much on my plate and we're here to serve these customers. And we're not doing a good job because we're overwhelmed. So hire, pass it off and allow. We've literally had two people like in an office just so that we had that quick question answer. Hey, I'm doing this. How do I do it? And, and so we could, you know, train a little bit better mm-hmm. as we were figuring it all out.
0: No, that there—that's—that's that's something to be said there because typically, as entrepreneurs—and let's face it, as real estate invest, investors—that's typically what we are. But un, weirdly enough, most people start in the mindset of it being a hobby and not treating it like a business. True. And And uh, we start to spread ourselves too thin. And we all know that what we focus on grows. And what kind of focus can you, as a business owner, provide if if you have You're being pulled in a million different directions. You need that level of focus, even if it's finding that dedicated person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. I love that you just said what you focus on grow, grows. I was on a mastermind call right before we uh, jumped on uh, this together and he said the same thing as I'm talking about this Freedom Capital Investments that's just launched and everything that we're doing and I said we're raising money and we're, you know, buying multifamily and it's really just flip and I plus two of our assistants um and uh, I said it's hard to to Focus on both raising money and um, buying the multifamily properties and the transition of still, you know, we hired a CEO and they, the, the five companies still need our help. Um, and he said, What you focus on grows. My recommendation is you pull in other people to be able to help you. Because if, if half of your time is spent with those five other companies and the CEO, then you only have 50% of your time left. So pick one and, you know, do that. So I think that's a gold a, a nugget too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Well, uh, I can't believe the time has just flown here. Um, again, I just want to point everybody to your website, freedomrealestategroup.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. I know you're pretty active on some of the social networks as well, so I'll make sure to include those links. I, I think I even found you on YouTube. Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> yep. we do a lot of videos.
0: <laughs> so I'll, I'll make sure to have that link in the in the show notes as well. And, but I warned you, the question was coming. Is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today?
1: Yes. Um, if you could start all over building these companies, what where would you have started? Um, and I love what we've done. I'm so proud of what we've done. But this new company that we have, Freedom Capital Investments, is focused on multifamily. Um, and multifamily has so many more advantages than single family does. I was just always scared of it. You know, mm. I don't want to buy a 20-unit apartment complex, a 56-unit <laughs> apartment complex. I just want to buy that single family house. Um, but if I would have just studied a little bit, you know, got educated about it, talked with people who were doing it. There's so many investors that go from single family, then they go duplex. Triplex, And they're starting to realize the economies of scale and how that helps you by having multiple people in a building, including the rehab. I mean, our construction costs on the 56 unit that we bought were so much lower because the crew got to stay, you know, be there. That was their only site. They weren't traveling back and forth. They got to use one unit, put all their materials. So they didn't charge us as much. There was so many benefits. Um, So, If I would have started all over, I probably would have started there instead of doing what we did. But I truly believe because we're now vertically integrated, there's some advantages of actually going the way Mm -hmm. we did. Um, So it's interesting to reflect on everything that we've learned um, at this stage of our lives.
0: Well, I can't thank you both enough for being on the show here today. Um, Again, it was freedomrealestategroup.com. But uh, I hope you'll consider coming back again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure.
0: Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.